Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Andrea Hoffer. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you, Henry. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Andrea is going to share her experiences and expertise on the topic of hiring. She shares her proven strategies and a proactive approach to hiring so you can hire the best person possible for your small business. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode and how you can continue to support my show and receive exclusive content and discounts through a Patreon membership, just visit thehowabusiness.com. So let me tell you a little bit more about Andrea. Andrea Hoffer knows that great businesses are built on strong teams, and that's why she founded AHA Recruiting Experts. AHA Recruiting Experts is a company dedicated to helping leaders attract and retain the best people for their companies so they can focus solely on what really matters, which is growing our businesses. Andrea is a businesswoman at, with over three decades of experience. She's managed hundreds of employees. And so she knows firsthand the everyday challenges of motivating, motivating a team, exceeding customer expectations, and meeting business and revenue goals. As a business owner herself, she struggled with high turnover and a lack of good candidates. And after some research into hiring best practices from around the world, including a lot of trial and error, she perfected a hiring process that gets results. Andrea is the host of the Home Run Hiring Podcast and the author of a book that we're going to refer to here in this conversation entitled Hire, Hire, How to Attract, Interview, and Grow Your Dream Team. Andrea lives down south on I-95 from me in Boca Raton, Florida. And so once again, Andrea, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm I'm really excited to be here. I'm looking forward to. Did you grow up in Florida? No, I actually grew up in New York on Long Island. I see. I see. And then as many New Yorkers have have transplanted to South Florida, obviously. Yes, by way of Atlanta, Georgia. Ah, I, was there I see. For quite a while before I came here. Got it. Well, good. Um I I grew up uh, for the most part in South Florida, then lived in the Dallas area for about 30 years and now I'm back on the coast. So up up the street from you in Jensen Beach, so not too far from you. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so I'd like to start usually with with the career path. If sh briefly share with me the story of your early career. What what did you do? Well, I actually started in higher education. I was very interested in how colleges worked and how to work with college students to, to exceed their potential. So I, I went to school for something called um, student personnel work, and I got a graduate degree in that and started working on college campuses. And through that, as I went through my journey working on college campuses, it, I, I worked with a lot of students and had different employees. But I also started being put in charge of revenue generating units because colleges have quite a few revenue revenue generating units that have to act like businesses. And I found I had a knack for it. So somewhere along the line, um, I decided to go back to school. And at night, I got my MBA. And from there, I said, okay, once I'm done with my MBA, I want to open my own business because I... I really like this. I like the people piece, but I also like the the business piece. And so it was a a big change for me. Um, but it worked it worked pretty well. Um, when I left the college arena, I invested in a massage MB franchise. I was fairly early on um, from Massage MB. I think the the original founder was still selling franchise licenses Is at that, that right? time. Wow. Yeah, and I I had that business for just under ten years, um, and it was a roller coaster. <laughs> it was, um, you know, it had its ups and downs. It's I learned a lot about myself and about business, but I also learned a lot more about people. And at some point early on, um, well, it was a few years in, I realized 
you know, I'm doing this hiring thing all wrong. <laughs> you know, I had this revolving door uh, specifically at my front desk, but a little bit in the therapy uh, team as well. And I'm like, we're just hiring people as they knock on our door for a help wanted sign. And we're we're doing these kind of five minute interviews and we're, we're not really putting a process to her, not doing it right. And when I was in the college arena, when I worked in universities, I was a part of, I don't even know how many uh, job searches for, you know, professional positions. And they were very process oriented. And I learned the correct way to hire. I learned the step-by-step -step process. I learned how to create a candidate persona. I, you know, I I truly knew, I, you know, I, I grasped all these important things that business owners often don't learn. And and so one day I said, why don't I just take all my notes out from, from back then, learn about what's happening now, because I figured there were better business practices, better best practices now, and see what would work with my spa. So that's what I did. Um, and I created these different types of recruitment programs and it started to really work. And, and I, I said to myself, you know, when maybe this is something I could create a business around because quite honestly, if somebody had come up to me at that time and said, Hey, um, you know, I'm going to offer you recruitment services. We focus primarily on small businesses like yours. Uh, and, you know, let me take the recruiting off your plate. I probably would have said, yes, please, <laughs> you know, sure. take it from me. So that's, sort of what kind of started to give me the idea, but also at the same time, other small businesses, uh, business owners that I knew, and even some other franchisees said, you know, what are you doing? What, what, how is this working? Can you do this for us? So AHA, which was already in existent, existence as a consulting firm focused on people, we, um, we started offering these recruitment services and it just became our our main service it became what everybody wanted and what people were getting a lot of value from and and that's essentially how aha recruiting experts was was born we were originally aha business consulting and then we um, transferred the name a few years ago to aha recruiting experts since that's really where our expertise lie right right okay so fascinating lots there though that i want to go back to Mm -hmm. The, um, I mean, I'm generalizing, but typically people, when they're on the higher ed track, the last thing that they're thinking about is necessarily starting their own business. Do you recall earlier in life having an aspiration or desire to someday own your own business? The funny thing is, I do not earlier in life remember that. However, both of my parents had their own businesses. Ah, my my dad... Um, it, it, is an attorney and he had his own practice. So he had his own, you know, firm. And my mom had a balloon business. She grew a, she purchased a firm, a balloon business that was small. And she over 10 years built it into this much larger company. Um, and she was called the local balloon lady. She was actually <laughs> on PM magazine. I don't know if you remember that show. Oh, sure, years yeah. ago. Um, and so Business is in my blood. I mean, even prior to that, I know um, I've had lots of relatives in, you know, in the generations before that have had, um, that have done business. And so I guess I didn't realize it was natural for me. And, and when I started working on revenue generating units on the college campus, it was just, I loved it. It, yeah, it, it empowered me. You, yeah. was, it clicked for me. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, Let me ask you, a lot of times for people growing up around business owners, it can go one of two ways. Either they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want any of that. I don't want, all I hear is headaches and problems and stress. I want nothing to do with that. Or it could be the opposite. They see the value in it. How, thinking back to it, what do you think was the impression it made on you? That is hard to remember, but you know, to be honest, I do remember a lot of headaches uh, you know, I, I remember at the dinner table um, hearing the different challenges day to day and often around the people piece. Yeah. So you did that, do you think that influenced you that you didn't say, oh, I'm definitely going to go do that? It came to you later? 
I think it came to me later, but I think the people piece is what resonated with me. Yeah. I, I've always been fascinated by people and and what drives us in what we do. And I I always thought I would go into education, which which I did, um, but I wanted to study what motivated people's behavior. I see. And I think that translates a lot to business because if you can't work with people effectively and understand them as a whole, not just within your business, but what the other outside forces, um, it, it would be very difficult for you to be, at least I believe it would be very difficult for you to be successful. Yeah, no, I agree. Let me go back to the massage injury. Why did you decide, did you sell it or what did you do with that franchise unit? And why did you decide to get out of that business? I did sell it. Uh, when you purchase a franchise, there's a term on it. So I purchased a 10-year term with Massage Envy and it was up for renewal. And I just decided that it was time for me personally to to leave, that it just wasn't what I wanted to do for the next 10 years. I, I got a lot out of it in the 10 years that I had it. I learned a lot, um, but it was time for me to do something that I was a little more passionate about and that you I had already better. started aha uh -huh, or was it after you sold the massage envy franchise i had started miss um aha uh -huh about i want to say five years prior to okay selling all right so you were envy. transitioning already and you so you that definitely helped her you to realize I, i'd rather now start doing more of this and less of yes. that yeah exactly what do you would you say andrea right now is the thing that you most benefit from by being your own boss? What does it do for you now? So much. I, I would say, number one, I love being creative and being my own boss and having a company where different people bring ideas. It just taps into to my desire to be trying something new all the time and and figuring out a better way of doing different things. Um, and then, you know, it does, even though you do work a lot, especially in the beginning, you know, you're putting a lot of time in, it, it does feel like you have more control. Um, you have more control of your schedule. You have more control of where you put your time. Um, and at the stage in life that I'm in now, it's it's certainly a great fit for me, you know, yeah. to be able to work from home and and still be able to make money doing something I'm very passionate about. Right, right. All right. Well, let's start getting into it more. The 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 hiring, what I'm calling hire hire, which is based on the name of your book again, which is hire hire how to attract, interview, and grow your dream team. I'd like to start with kind of a random question because this is such a hot topic right now for everyone. Why do you think, what is your perspective on why most of us are having such a hard time attracting employees? Why are we having such a hard time just even attracting candidates? And this is a cross industry. I know you're well aware of this. Right. What is your perspective on why that is? I think number one, so much has changed. And it was changing before the pandemic, but of course the pandemic accelerated it. Number for one, just people are not going to the job boards as much. You know, it used to be, well, years ago it used to be you put an ad in the help wanted sections of the newspaper and and that's how you you found the people. And then it it became this these these big job boards where you just posted an ad. And that's not the way people look for jobs right now. It, you need to be much more proactive. And one of the first things I think that a lot of employers are missing is doing a little bit of a inner focus on who is it they truly need. You know, what, not just what are the skills they need to have or the experience, but what are those success traits? How do they show up every day where they would be successful? in your business. And it takes a little bit of, of inner work, of discovery work to, to figure this out. And once you figure that out, that's, that's what you're going to use to go at and attract people. People are not just looking for, well, what's the compensation or where is it located? Or, you know, does it have these 
job responsibilities. They're looking for, is this the place that's going to make me feel fulfilled inside? You know, is this, can I really resonate with the values of this company each day? Will I be able to grow in the way I want to grow? Will I be able to learn things? Um, and so you need to figure those things out before you can go out and attract people. And, and, and then, that's, oh, not sorry to interrupt. And that's fair. I get that. And, you know, I've got plenty of clients that I think could do that, but I think we're, there's two parts where it starts to break down that you've mentioned here. One is, People aren't going to the traditional sites anymore. We'll come back right. to that. But help me with how I understand that, that I need to communicate and share with people why this is a great environment to come work, what it's going to do for you beyond compensation. How do we, what are some tips for how do we effectively communicate that through a job posting? Or is it that that's method doesn't allow for that. You speak to me as to how I know that I understand that I need to share that why there is, this is a great place for you to come work. But I think the disconnect Andrea for a lot of small businesses owners is how do I put that out there? How do I communicate that? What do you think? We actually have a formula for the job posting that helps us to communicate that. And I can go over some of those things, but before I do that, it's not just about the job posting. It's about ongoing branding of yourself as an employer through social media, through your team. I mean, this even relates to employee retention, where you're talking about the different things that makes your, your company unique and, and how that holds, you know, the glue together, what you're working towards. It's, you know, I always say, always be recruiting, just like you hear the phrase, always be selling, always be recruiting, always put out there what a great place you are to work and, and why, and encourage your current team to be talking about it and what they love about, about working there. And social media is, is probably a much better place to put the effort than the job boards. The job boards are easy. If you do the job posting well, and I'll tell you, um, uh, one of the first tips with the job posting is to start with a series of questions. Uh, we typically will have uh, anywhere from four to five questions and we think them through. We think about what are the top things that one, we want to find in a person and two, might attract that person. That are, you, are you talking about screening questions or just questions that I'm including that somebody might ask of me? I'm talking about in the job posting okay? because you, when somebody is looking at a job posting, you have to keep in mind that when they do a search, they're probably only going to see mm -hmm. the first few lines unless they click right. through. So, so an example might be, are you looking for a place with flexible work hours or something like that? Is that what you mean by a question that you're putting in the job posting? That could be it. If you okay. think that is something that you have to offer that you want to use to attract, I'd usually like to start with something that is a little more specific to the job. And then maybe the question you just shared could be, you know, the second or third question. So for example, we are currently um, hiring for a business development, a salesperson for our company. And I think one of our first, our first question is, are you a go-getter? Mm -hmm. So if somebody reads that, and they immediately think in their head, I'm not a go-getter, right, then right. they're going to move on. And that's great. Because you're, you're also that. communicating in that question, this is not a place to come and coast. We're all working really hard here for a common cause and we need, we're looking for go-getters. Exactly. And that's the point of those first four to five questions. And I, I almost think this is one of the most important parts of a job posting because most, most candidates are not going to read any further than the first few lines. However, if you create the posting in a way that it's very easy to scan, you know, with bullet points, don't do large paragraphs, right, but right. with bullet points, with headings, um, that they can find the information that's most important to them, then that will draw their eye to, you know, at least part of the posting and maybe they'll, they'll read the rest of it. Yeah. But we typically will include those first few questions. Then we'll do a short blurb um, about the company and, mm -hmm. you know, the mission of the company. And then we'll talk about 
you know, you are the ideal candidate if you, and then there might be four to six bullet points that describes the ideal candidate. So again, they're able to either screen themselves in or screen themselves out. These are not interview questions. These are, right. they're making, you know, the they're, candidate. They're self-qualifying, they're self-screening on these, yeah. Exactly. And and so we do those types of things that really resonates with people who, who read it. Um, and so those you can pretty easily with most tools push out to, right. you know, lots of job boards. Um, but we like to take it a step further and take the job posting and make very visual content and including pictures and videos to and use those on social media or other places where the type of person who you're looking for would be kind of hanging out, so to speak. Because and that's how you're going to more effectively share in a way that'll be consumed more readily. This is what it's like to work here. This is what it's like to be part of this team. This is what it's like to, to work with Andrea. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, even individually, a part of our program is we not we don't just broadcast through social media, but we also reach out individually to people who who seem to have the right profile or resume for what we we're looking for, and say, "Hey, have you seen this opportunity?" Mm-hmm. So recruiting has become a much more proactive. Right, right. We have to go out to people. So I'll come back to that. I want to come back to though the point about employer branding. I don't know if that was a term you used, but but that communication on social media. That though, Andrea, takes time to produce results, right? I can't just, oh, I've got a job position to fill. Let me now start posting about how great it is to work here. That has to have been part of my ongoing social media campaigns to share how great it is to work at my company. Yes. Yes. And there's also a bit of a shortcut. Okay. Tell me about that. I'm a big fan of, you know, building up that brand, just like you would build up a company brand, but you can use certain tools and formats to just get quick bites of what it's like to work for you or in your company, or even in this type of position, even just getting your, some of your current team members, if they'll do a testimonial, see on Glassdoor, um, or a video testimonial is even better where they can sh- share. And it does not have to be polished. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars on this. You just have them do it on their cell phone and, and maybe edit it a little bit. But really, the more authentic, mm-hmm. the better results you're going to get. And by doing that, people are going to start to connect with you right away. And you can connect that to a link to here's our job opportunities. So Yes, the ongoing buildup of that employer branding is very important, but it doesn't mean you can't get quick results as soon as you start putting something out there. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so uh, let's now, great, thanks for sharing a great tip there. Let, let's focus a little bit more then on how do I go about getting that word out? You you said people aren't looking on job boards as much anymore. At least it seems to me, I have to agree based on the evidence that the type of candidates we tend to get is they're either just blasting out their, their resume, if you want to call it that to a hundred different positions, they're not even looking at the posting. Is it in part because there's so many people that are already the people, the person I ideally want is probably already employed or currently employed. Is that part of the challenge or what is it that has caused it to be such a challenge with these online platforms? I think part of it is information overload. You know, nobody wants to go to a large job board and put in a search term. And and I also think it may be that they think, oh, it's it's not even going to work for me. But a lot of it is passive candidates, candidates that are not currently looking. So they may be, they're in jobs, they may be unhappy, but they just don't want to put the effort in to look for something else. But if you reach out to them and say, Hey, we have this great opportunity. You know, we think you could be a match. Do you want to, you know, do you want some more information? Can I give you a little teaser about it? Then you've kind of done the work for them. You know, you're bringing it to them. They don't have to go to this massive job board and, and look for something. It's like, Oh, this person's actually interested in me. I, it, it, sometimes it makes them feel good. Um, other times if they've been reached out to 
over and over again, they're like, okay, that's, that's enough. But for most people, it's, hey, yeah, that this sounds interesting. Let me learn a little bit more. And, and they're either interested and will we'll go the next step or they just thank you. And, and now they're in the back of their, your head and they may reach out later when they are ready. Yeah, or they may know somebody who is ready. Exactly. You always want to ask if that, that's a really good point, Henry. Thank you. If, if they're not interested, always end by asking, you know, well, thank you for letting me know, you know, by any chance, do you know any, anybody else who might be interested? Now you're making them the hero where they can say, oh, you know what? I actually do know somebody who's looking for a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah, everybody likes to broker things. So always yes. appeal to that in, in most of us. This is Henry Lopez with a brief pause to this episode to let you know that one of our sponsors and one of my favorite podcast shows, Stroke of Genius, is back for another great season. If you've ever had a great idea or brainstormed a way to make something better, Stroke of Genius is the podcast for you. Brought to you by IPO Education Foundation, Stroke of Genius identifies misconceptions about intellectual property to show the importance of IP to business and the economy. In season five, host and entrepreneur Raha Francis tackles questions about how patents incentivize investment in R&D, the right of musicians to sample music, the role of IP in promoting technology, sustainability, and more. Hear entrepreneurs, artists, scientists, inventors, lawyers, and other industry leaders get to the heart of what intellectual property protection means to them and why it matters. Get more information on Stroke of Genius at ipoef.org. And don't forget to subscribe and rate Stroke of Genius on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. All right, so give me a little bit about how I go about doing that, because for most of us as employers, especially small businesses where we don't have a dedicated HR person or a recruiter internally, it not only is it time consuming, but we don't know how to do it. We feel it's awkward. We feel it's invasive. So is it is it the kind of thing that I might try to do through LinkedIn? Or what are your thoughts there at a high level about how a business owner might begin to be more proactive and outreach to passive candidates? If it is a position where the candidates do typically have a profile on LinkedIn or are active there, then LinkedIn is a great place to start the way it's set up it makes it fairly easy for you to send them a connection request and you know and maybe you don't even tell them about the job right off maybe you just say or you're anticipating you're going to have an opening even better and you send them a connection request and you see oh i you know i noticed we're both in the same industry you have some skill set that might might fit with us in the future, you know, mm. I would love to connect here. Yeah. I love that. I love that because that just said that it doesn't create any kind of um, demand or stress, but mm -hmm. you legitimately are exposing them. Hey, who never, you never know, right? What you're saying is we never know in the, in the future where our paths might cross. I thought you might want to learn more about what we're doing over here. Right. Right. And even if you don't later on reach out to them individually, but they are connected to you and you mm -hmm. post a job, it is more likely going to show up in their timeline right? and even possibly show up to people they're connected to. So, you you know, LinkedIn is, is amazing for that. They make it pretty easy and you don't have to have a paid LinkedIn plan. And, you know, you can just do it through connection requests where you, where you don't have to do an email there. I think there still are limits, but the limits are um, usable. For depending upon how much hiring you're doing. Right. Um, and then if it's not a position that, because not everybody is active on LinkedIn or is in an industry where they find LinkedIn to be something that they should be engaging on. The other social medias, you know, we, we've reached out to candidates through Facebook messaging, through Instagram, um, uh, TikTok, you know, sometimes uh, I'm trying to, a one, you know, we often are hiring for cake decorators for, for one of our clients and we'll, we might do a search on Instagram 
um, for people who are cake, you know, pictures of cakes that have been decorated and yeah. try to narrow that down to the geographic area. And then you, there's little tricks of the trade to kind of find how to follow up with them. Right. And so there's all different ways of doing that. It does, you know, one of our core values is think like a detective mm. because to be a successful recruiter, uh, you really do need to, to put on your, your detective cap, but there are ways of, of reaching people and, and, you know, and to do it in a way that is, is not going to scare them off. You know, right. you're not trying to sell them something. You just want to see, Hey, you know, could this be an opportunity for you in the future? Yeah. So that leads to then there are times when, when this is best done by an expert. And if I don't have that in-house, a recruiter is obviously one of the ways to go, even if I do have HR in-house. My challenge, you know, I just spent uh, quite a bit of time over the last six months working with a client, trying to help them place some positions in the engineering industry and worked with, I, I lost count of how many recruiters, because the challenge I have with the traditional recruiters, I'm generalizing, but I am going to badmouth them here, <laughs> is it's it's very driven, you know, because mostly they're compensated on pure commission, if I understand it correctly. If you don't take, especially in this in this market, if you don't take the first couple of candidates they send your way, you're ghosted. At least that was my experience. So what should I look for? And maybe this will segue into how you do it differently if I do decide to go the route of a recruiter. Okay. So you, you make a good point and I hear that often or because of the traditional recruiter model where you only get paid unless somebody is hired, it does become a numbers game. So we decided to take a different approach. And a lot of our business is around the recruitment marketing in addition to sourcing and full cycle recruiting. And what, what we do is we have a flat monthly fee depending upon the needs. And, and so we're out there, we don't have the volume of a traditional recruiter and we're exclusive. So we're, you're essentially outsourcing your recruiting to us. We, we have a very unique model. So I don't think you would find some this elsewhere, but we designed it specifically for the small to medium size company, especially ones that are, that are growing. Mm -hmm. um, so our whole thing is we're, you know, we're focused on you. We're not just looking for butts and seats. We want to find the right fit for your culture, for your position. And we're not going to ghost you if we don't find somebody in a few weeks. Cause one, you're paying us because right. we are, we do ask for money upfront. It's a, a flat monthly fee. Um, and two, we see ourselves more as partners and consultants and we're meeting with you weekly um, our, and we're probably communicating even even more than that because we want to be able to switch quickly if we need to. So sometimes with a search, you can't just get all the information up front and assume, okay, the recruiter is going to go out and find the best people. We, we found that we need regular feedback, especially that first couple of weeks to make sure we are on the on the right track. And we were very nimble so that as, as soon as we get more information from a client, you know, we we have a system where we enter it in and our it goes out to our sourcers and they know, okay, the candidate persona has been tweaked a bit, you know, based on our conversations with the client. And it helps us narrow in more closely to what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, so our model is very different. Now, what to look for in a more traditional recruiter you know, there are what's called retained or exclusive searches and they're contingent. I'm a big fan of only working with recruiters that are doing retained or exclusive search, which means they are the only ones recruiting for your position. If, if you do contingent where you go out and you give the position to five, 10, however many recruiters, they're all competing against each other. And what happens is one, some of the same candidates are going to be hit by them, and right. and that looks badly mm -hmm. on you. Um, on you know what, not so much in the recruiter, maybe partially, but it's almost like you're being, um, you know, we how you get all those marketing. Well, yeah, calls. I mean, it just That's it looks really... unprofessional and unorganized, yeah. and like I don't know what we're doing over yeah. here. Yeah. 
So when you're doing an exclusive search, a retained search as a recruiter, again, you're doing less volume because you know that you are committing to filling these positions for, for your client. You get to know your client a lot better. Um, you hopefully are asking a lot of questions and doing a pretty deep discovery with them. And you're very focused on finding the right people um, for them. And you're not just kind of taking profiles from a database that kind of look good and sending it. You're, you're interviewing them. You're making sure that these people that you're sending are, are a great fit. So whereas most clients I find are so used to the contingent model right? and they think, you know, I won't have to pay until I get somebody and I'm going to have five, 10, whatever recruiters working on it. So somebody's got to hit the mark. It's really not the best way to do it. No, especially not in this, the market that we've had the last couple of years. It definitely, it's just to me, in my experience, it's not working. It's not nowhere near as effective. And, and it's frustrating and you're wasting a lot of time and potentially missing out on candidates as a result of it. So, all right. I appreciate those tips on what to look for. And I agree that the flat fee approach that you're taking is in much more alignment with what I need to get out of it as a small business owner. All right. I want to move forward because I'd like to get your thoughts at a high level on the screening process. In other words, from, you know, let, let's say I was working with you and you brought me a candidate. Obviously, you've done some level of screening best based on this ideal persona or their profile. But what do you typically recommend? What have you seen works best at a high level for the process? I'm going to give you my formula that I often Excellent. share. And it, it, a lot of this is taken from uh, Mark Murphy, who... Um, I'll, I can talk about a little bit more later, but he talks about asking for specific examples and the formula starts with, could you share? So all of our interview questions or just about all of our interview questions start with the phrase, could you share? And this is a very big difference, even though it sounds slight, than the traditional way of interviewing that usually was more directive, where it would say, tell me this or give me this. When you start with, could you share? It's it's suddenly making the candidate feel like they're more in a conversation and not being grilled. And you want them to feel like they have an element of control to, to relax a little. Because whereas we used to be taught, shine the bright light on them, make them feel like they're being, you know, interrogated. interrogated yeah. That's just going to make people put their defenses up. And even if they're not typically people who will lie, they're not going to tell you the whole truth. Right. And I, exactly. I, I find that although it's not that sometimes I haven't used the good cop, bad cop, you know, when we have multiple people interviewing effectively. But to your point, I think that the the approach of making it more conversational, people are less likely to fall into my rehearsed answer and more likely to give you a more real answer. Exactly. And then the, the second part of the formula is a specific example. So could you share a specific example of, and we'll get to what's next in a minute, specific example, that's your power phrase. You want to find out what the candidates have done in the past that may show you future performance of the future. Now, before you even go into the interview, you want to make sure you have in mind how you're going to be evaluating these candidates. What, what do you expect them to achieve within the next 60, 90, 365 days? How are you going to be measuring them? What are the results you're looking for? So you want to keep that in mind when you're asking these questions. Could So could you share me a specific example of, and then it's something related to either something that comes up regularly in your business or um, related to the result you're looking for. Yeah. So kind of a more one we use a lot with customer service type positions is could you share a specific example of a time you had to deal with a difficult customer? Now, one part that 
you may think is missing from this question is, and how did you resolve it? You never want to give away the answer. If you if you present an exam, um, a question, and then give them a cue of, I want you to tell me then a happy ending, they're going to come up with a happy ending. Right. You, you want it to be just presenting the problem. And then the people who have solved the problem in the past, or at least have learned from it, are going to share that. The people who just make the problem worse are going to share that as well. Yeah, it's a great tip because I think people, I mean, I think most people would get it, but you're looking for that person who might say, you know, and that's one of the reasons I hated that job is because it seemed like everybody had a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening for that as well, right? Right. And the more, again, back to the first point, the more comfortable they feel, mm -hmm. the more they might be thinking, oh, they want to hear about, you know, all these difficult customers I've had in the past. And instead of leading them to what I want them to tell me, I leave it more open-ended there by not being specific about how did you solve it? Exactly. This type of questioning also is to the point of uh, a mistake I often hear. We talk about this on the show before is these, this type of a question is about tell me something you've done, not how would you do it? Because that's hypothetical and everybody, a lot of people can answer that and tell me what I want to hear. Yeah. Yes. Now some people um, and some interviewing gurus, uh, like I think Lou Adler sometimes will say he's another um, guru as far as hiring goes, um, will say, you know, you can ask that question, you know, here's the problem we have how, how would you address it? How would you solve it? And that might help for you to listen for their thought process, how mm. they think through it. But the important part is to not end it there. Right. It's to then ask the follow-up question, could you share a specific example of a time you did something similar or that you had a similar situation, you know, to, so that you're still finding out what they've accomplished in the past uh, to to give more proof towards how they're going to accomplish this in the future. Yeah, love that. Love that. Thanks for that clarification. All right. Before I leave this point, also in the process, so, you know, a, a typical process that, that I usually have implemented or recommended is, you know, you might do an initial phone screening, then um, there might be, depending on how large the organization is, and certainly at least one in person, maybe a follow-up in person, maybe you do some type of personality assessment or skills assessment, like maybe a Colby, uh, that that's what I was also trying to get at. Anything you would add there or that you like to recommend that's different than that? We are big fans of one-way video interviews. Okay. Tell me about that. So, and we've been using it as part of our process for many years now. Um, one-way video interviews is when a candidate will receive a link and it will say, you know, click on this link and you're going to be asked, usually it's about three or four questions. Um, we're, and we're going to ask you to, you know, you can do it with your cell phone or you could do it on your desktop and there won't be anybody on the other side, but it's going to record you answering. So there are a couple of different reasons for this. One, of course, in our busy world where everybody's working at different times, this makes the process go faster, you know, because you don't have to schedule that first interview. Right. Um, you can answer. So you're using, your, just to interrupt, you're using this early in the process. Is that what I'm gathering? Yes. We, okay. it, depending upon the job, we usually will use it. It's usually after the resume. Uh, you know, if we think, if we screen the resume and we think that they could be a potentially good candidate will send them the the one-way interview video interview request and sometimes we'll get some pushback from candidates because they it's it's awkward to be talking to a screen right but one of the things that we integrate as part of this is we ask our clients to do a, a video a one-way video to the candidates so this way we're introducing our actual client to the candidates right away without having to take up their time. You know, so they do one video where they thank the candidates for being interested in their position. They they 
they briefly talk about what they're looking for uh, in a candidate um, and what they have to offer. And then every time we send the link to a candidate, the first thing they see is this video from the CEO or the hiring manager introducing themselves. So they immediately get an introduction right. to the actual business, that business leader, before they even answer the questions. Mm -hmm. And so we find that improves the quality and the quantity that we get back and, and the candidates love it. The other thing that a lot of times candidates don't realize, at least with our processes, we often, if we're not sure if we're going to screen somebody out for a job, like if we're just like, eh, they could be, but we're not sure, we'll send them the video interview. And I, I can't tell you how many times mm. we get that video interview back and somebody who, if we were just going on the resume, we may have just rejected them, but the video interview has pushed them through to, to the next piece of it. Yeah. And so it really gives us much more information than just just the resume. Yeah, I love that. Great, great tip. Thanks for that. All right. Um, we've, we've touched on it, obviously, and you shared the story, but just summarize for me briefly the services that you do offer your clients today through AHA. Sure. Um, so we have three different packages. Um, our Two of our packages are subscription-based, um, and all of our packages include us doing a whole discovery process with our clients, learning about their core values, learning about their culture, and creating some of that employer branding and marketing pieces that, that we talked about. And then we go out and we do the actual connecting for them. So we'll create the social media campaigns and we'll do the sourcing. We have a, an actual sourcing team that will reach out individually through LinkedIn and lots of other platforms saying, Hey, we, you know, we have this great opportunity. We think you might be a fit for, what do you think? And, and we'll share some of that branded material I talked about. Um, and then depending upon which service, one of our services includes some light screening. So we'll do the one-way video. All of our services include the one-way video, of course. And then we'll also do a, 20 to 25 minute Zoom interview um, and reference checks. So we, we do full cycle recruiting. Uh, and it, because it's subscription based, it's not charged by head. Mm -hmm. So you may end up, you know, getting three people, which <laughs> often happens where, you know, our client will say, I really only needed one, but I like all three of them and I've found positions for them and we're like, wonderful. We've just gotten three people, some amazing jobs. Um, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. That's what, that's what we want. Uh, and then we just started a premier service. that's a little bit closer to the traditional recruiting where it's a flat fee and it has a one year guarantee. Whereas if the person they hire leaves within the first year, we'll replace them for free. And it includes much deeper screening as well as um, some retention coaching and a whole roadmap for onboarding them. Excellent. Uh, do you typically focus on a particular industries across all industries or tell me about that? You know, we've worked for so many different industries, uh, but I would say the five that we seem to fall within the most is uh, one hospitality. We, we, when we first started our niche was any on um, jobs that were high customer interaction because mm. customer services is part of my background. Um, but so hospitality, food service, retail, and then we do a lot of business development sales positions across okay. all industries, as well as operational leaders across different um, industries. So those are probably the five areas that we do the most in. Um, although lately we've been having a lot of interest in IT. So we've been filling a lot of IT positions as well. Got it. Thanks for clarifying that. Okay. The book again, Hire, Hire, How to Attract, Interview, and Grow Your Dream Team. I believe I, we can download a free chapter from your website, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so where do we go for step. that? If you can go to 
aharecruitingexperts.com. So it's A-H-A recruiting experts with an S, all one word, dot com. And then there should be um, under resources uh, in the menu, you'll find a link to the book, to the free chapter for the book. Excellent. And we'll have a link to it as well on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Speaking of books, I, I think the other book you want to recommend, you had mentioned Mark Murphy. So is it his book also that you would recommend to us? Yes. Uh, Hiring for Attitude by Mark Murphy. It, it, we love the book. Every new talent consultant that comes on the team gets a free copy of the book. And they also go through Mark Murphy's certification program for hiring. But the, the book itself is is a great resource if you're doing a, doing some hiring. Excellent. Thanks for that recommendation. All right, let's wrap it up, Andrea. What's what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation that we had about hiring higher, about getting better, especially as a small business owner, of attracting and and hiring the people that we need to help us grow our business? What's one thing you want us to take away? I guess one thing I want you to take away is to think about what you have to offer as an employer and, and to be a little more creative about it or, or think a little deeper than just compensation or the specific kind of benefits that you offer. What, why else would somebody want to work for you? Ask your current team members. And that's a good building block for you to, to start going out and recruiting and attracting great people. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think related to that very point, tactically, the idea of, incorporating more videos to share with potential candidates why this is a great environment to work in. I think that's a great tactical uh, idea. So I appreciate that. All right. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. Aha recruiting experts with an S.com. Everything is on our website. Uh, all of our packages are outlined there as well. And if you are interested in connecting with me on LinkedIn, I am always interested in connecting with fellow entrepreneurs or budding entrepreneurs uh, and, can, and, and talking that way. Wonderful. Andrea, great conversation. Thanks for sharing very actionable tips. That's what it's all about here for me on this show. So thanks for, for sharing, for answering all my questions and for being with me today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest today again was Andrea Hoffer, and I release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.